0: chapter eighty one part six of the adventures of peregrine pickle volume two by tobias smollett this librivox recording is in the public domain the memoirs of a lady of quality part six by this time my lord was arrived in england and employed in discovering the place of my retreat so that i lived in continual alarm and provided myself with a speaking-trumpet which stood by my bedside to be used in calling for assistance in case my pursuer should make an attack upon my lodgings this situation being extremely uncomfortable i had no sooner begun my process against him than i put myself entirely under the protection of mr s who conducted me to the house of a friend of his who lived in the country where I was secure from the attempts of my husband. The world had now given me up, and I had renounced the world with the most perfect resignation. I weighed in my breast what I should lose in point of character with what I had suffered in my peace at home, and found that my reputation was not to be preserved except at the expense of my quiet, for his lordship was not disposed to make me easy had I been ever so discreet. I therefore determined to give up a few ceremonial visits and empty professions for the more substantial enjoyments of life. We passed our time very agreeably in various amusements with this friend of Mr. S., until the term of my reckoning was almost expired, then returned to London and took lodgings in Southampton Street, where I began to make the preparations for the approaching occasion. "'here I proposed to live with the utmost circumspection. "'I disguised my name, saw nobody but my lawyer and lover, "'and never approached the window, "'lest I should be discovered by accident. "'Notwithstanding these precautions, "'my French maid, whom I had sent for some of my clothes, "'was dogged in her return, "'and next morning my lord took my lodgings by storm. "'Had he given the assault in his person only,' I make no doubt, but he would have suffered a repulse from the opposition of the Ligeois, who made all the resistance in her power, but was obliged to give way to superior numbers. I was at that time abed, and hearing an unusual noise below, rang my bell in order to know the cause of such disturbance. I drew my curtain at the same time, and who should I see entering my chamber but his lordship, attended by a constable and the footman who had discovered my retreat such an unexpected visit could not fail to affect me with surprise and consternation however i summoned all my fortitude to my aid and perceiving the fellows were about to open my window shutters desired their principal to order them downstairs he readily complied with my request and sitting down by my bedside, told me with an air of triumph that he had found me at last, and I frankly owned that I was heartily sorry for his success instead of upbraiding me with my escape. He proceeded to entertain me with all the news in town and gave me a minute detail of everything that happened to him since our parting, among other articles of intelligence giving me to understand that he had challenged Mr. S, who refused to fight him and was in disgrace with the prince of w on that account but here his lordship did not strictly adhere to the naked truth he had indeed before our departure from the country gone to my lover and insisted upon having satisfaction in hyde park two days from the date of his demand and at three o'clock in the afternoon s believing him in earnest accepted the invitation THOUGH HE OBSERVED THAT THESE AFFAIRS COULD NOT BE DISCUSSED TOO SOON, AND WISHED THE TIME OF THE MEETING MIGHT BE AN EARLIER HOUR. BUT HIS LORDSHIP DID NOT CHOOSE TO ALTER THE CIRCUMSTANCES OF HIS FIRST PROPOSAL, AND WHEN HE WENT AWAY, SAID HE SHOULD EXPECT HIM AT THE APPOINTED PLACE and TIME IF IT DID NOT RAIN. HIS ANTAGONIST GAVE ME AN ACCOUNT OF THE CONVERSATION WHEN I ASSURED HIM THE WHOLE BUSINESS WOULD END IN SMOKE accordingly my lord sent him a letter on monday desiring that the assignation might be deferred till thursday that he might have time to settle his affairs and pay us a hundred pounds which he had formerly borrowed of him when thursday came he was favoured with another epistle importing that the challenger had changed his mind and would seek satisfaction at law Thus ended that heroic exploit which his lordship now boasted of with such arrogant misrepresentation. While he thus regaled me with these interesting particulars, I was contriving a scheme to frustrate the discovery he had made, so that I did not contradict his assertions, but told him that, if he would go downstairs, I would rise and come to breakfast. He consented to this proposal with great cheerfulness— AND I OWN I WAS NOT A LITTLE SURPRISED TO FIND HIM AT THIS FIRST INTERVIEW IN AS GOOD A HUMOR AS IF NOTHING HAD HAPPENED TO INTERRUPT THE FELICITY OF OUR MATRIMONIAL UNION. IT COST ME SOME INVENTION TO CONCEAL MY CONDITION FROM HIS NOTICE, BEING NOW WITHIN A WEEK OF THE EXPECTED CRISIS, BUT I KNEW I HAD TO DO WITH A MAN OF NO GREAT PENETRATION, AND SUCCEEDED IN MY ATTEMPT ACCORDINGLY. WE BREAKFASTED WITH GREAT HARMONY and I invited him to dinner, after having prevailed upon him to send away his myrmidons, whom nevertheless he ordered to return at eleven o'clock that night. We conversed together with great gaiety and mirth. When I rallied him for visiting me in such a dishevel, he stood on tiptoe to view himself in the glass, and, owning I was in the right, said he would go and dress himself before dinner. He accordingly went away, charging my maid to give him entrance at his return, and he was no sooner gone than I wrote to Mr. S., giving him an account of what had happened. Then, without having determined on any certain plan, I huddled on my clothes, muffled myself up, and calling a chair went to the next tavern, where I stayed no longer than was sufficient to change my vehicle, and to the astonishment of the drawers, who could not conceive the meaning of my perturbation, proceeded to a shop in the neighborhood where i dismissed my second chair and procured a hackney-coach in which i repaired to the lodgings of my lawyer whom i could trust having made him acquainted with the circumstances of my distress and consulted him about a proper place of retreat after some recollection he directed me to a little house in a court to which by the assistance of my lover my woman and clothes were safely conveyed that same evening My lord, however, came to dinner, according to invitation, and did not seem at all alarmed when my maid told him I was gone, but stepped to my lawyer to know if he thought I should return. Upon his answering in the affirmative, and advising his lordship to go back in the meantime and eat the dinner I had provided, he very deliberately took his advice, made a very hearty meal, drank his bottle of wine, and as I did not return according to his expectation, "'withdrew in order to consult his associates. "'This motion of his furnished my woman "'with an opportunity of making her retreat, "'and when he returned at night the coast was clear "'and he found nobody in the house but a porter "'who had been left to take care of the furniture. "'He was so enraged at this disappointment "'that he made a furious noise "'which raised the whole neighbourhood, "'reinforced his crew with the authority "'of a justice of the peace,' tarried in the street till three o'clock in the morning, discharged a lodging he had hired at a barber's shop opposite to the house from which I had escaped, and retired with the comfortable reflection of having done everything which a man could do to retrieve me. The hurry of spirits and surprise I had undergone in effecting this retreat produced such a disorder in my constitution that I began to fear I should be delivered before I could be provided with the necessaries for the occasion. I signified my apprehension to Mr. S., who with infinite care and concern endeavoured to find a more convenient place, and, after all his inquiries, was obliged to fix upon a paltry apartment in the city, though his tenderness was extremely shocked at the necessity of choosing it. However, there was no remedy, nor time to be lost, TO THIS MISERABLE HABITATION I WAS CARRIED IN A HACKNEY COACH, AND THOUGH EXTREMELY ILL, BORE MY FATE WITH SPIRIT AND RESIGNATION IN TESTIMONY OF MY SINCERE AND INDELIBLE ATTACHMENT TO MY LOVER, FOR WHOSE CASE AND PLEASURE I COULD HAVE SUFFERED EVERY INCONVENIENCE AND EVEN SACRIFICED MY LIFE. IMMEDIATELY AFTER I HAD TAKEN POSSESSION OF MY WRETCHED APARTMENT, I WAS CONSTRAINED BY MY INDISPOSITION TO GO TO BED. AND SEND FOR NECESSARY HELP, AND IN A FEW HOURS A LIVING PLEDGE OF MY LOVE AND INDISCRETION SAW THE LIGHT, THOUGH THE TERRORS AND FATIGUE I HAD UNDERGONE HAD AFFECTED THIS LITTLE INNOCENT SO SEVERELY THAT IT SCARCE DISCOVERED ANY VISIBLE SIGNS OF LIFE. MY GRIEF AT THIS MISFORTUNE WAS INEXPRESSIBLE. I FORTHWITH DISPATCHED A MESSAGE TO THE DEAR, THE ANXIOUS FATHER, WHO FLEW TO MY ARMS AND SHARED MY SORROW with all the gentleness of love and parental fondness. Yet our fears were for that time happily disappointed by the recovery of our infant daughter, who was committed to the charge of a nurse in the neighborhood, so that I could every day be satisfied in my inquiries about her health. Thus I continued a whole fortnight in a state of happiness and tranquillity, being blessed with the conversation and tender offices of my admirer, whose love and attention I wholly engrossed. In a word, he gave up all his business and amusement, and concentrated all his care and assiduity in ministering to my ease and satisfaction. And sure, I had no cause to regret what I had suffered on his account. But this, my agreeable situation, was one day disturbed by a most alarming accident by which my life was drawn into imminent danger." The room under my bedchamber took fire. I immediately smelt it, and saw the people about me in the utmost perplexity and consternation, though they would not own the true cause of their confusion, lest my health should suffer in the fright. Nevertheless, I was so calm in my inquiries that they ventured to tell me my suspicion was but too just upon which i gave such directions as i thought would secure me from catching cold in case there should be a necessity for removing me but the fire being happily extinguished i escaped that ceremony which might have cost me my life indeed it was surprising that the agitation of my spirits did not produce some fatal effect upon my constitution and i looked upon my deliverance as the protection of a particular providence though I escaped the hazard of a sudden removal, I found it was high time to change my lodgings, because the neighbours rushing into the house upon the alarm of fire had discovered my situation, though they were ignorant of my name, and I did not think myself safe in being the subject of their conjectures. Mr. S., therefore, procured another compartment with better accommodation, to which I was carried as soon as my health would admit of my removal and soon after my lord wrote to me by the hands of my lawyer earnestly entreating me to drop my prosecution and come home but i would not comply with his request and nothing was farther from my intention than the desire of receiving any favours at his hands thus repulsed he set on foot a most accurate search for my person in the course of which he is said to have detected several ladies and young girls who had reasons for keeping themselves concealed, and had liked to have been very severely handled for his impertinent curiosity. Being unsuccessful in all his attempts, he entered into a treaty with one Sir R. H., a person of very indifferent character, who undertook to furnish him with an infallible expedient to discover the place of my abode, if he would gratify him with a bond for a thousand pounds, which being executed accordingly, this worthy knight advertised me and my maid in the public papers offering one hundred pounds as a reward to any person who should disclose the place of our retirement as soon as the paper fell into my hands i was again involved in perplexity and being afraid of staying in town resolved with the concurrence of my lover to accept an invitation i had received from the duke of K who had by this time arrived in england with that lady whom i have already mentioned as one of our parties at paris having visited my little infant i next day set out for the duke's country seat which is a most elegant chateau and stands in a charming situation mr s followed in a few days we met with a very cordial reception his grace was civil and good-natured lived nobly and loved pleasure madame de lety was formed to please there was always a great deal of company in the house so that we passed our time agreeably in playing at billiards and cards hunting walking reading and conversation but my terms of happiness were generally of short duration in the midst of this felicity i was overtaken by a most severe affliction in the death of my dear hapless infant who had engrossed a greater share of my tenderness than perhaps i even should have paid to the offspring of a legitimate contract because the circumstance of her birth would have been an unsurmountable misfortune to her through the whole course of her life and rendered her absolutely dependent on my love and protection while i still lamented the untimely fate of this fair blossom lord came down and demanded me as his wife but the suit which i then maintained against him deprived him for the present of a husband's right and therefore the duke would not deliver me into his hands in six months he repeated his visit and demand and an argument was patched up in consequence of which i consented to live in the same house with him on condition that he should never desire to sleep with me or take any other measure to disturb my peace otherwise i should be at liberty to leave him again AND ENTITLED TO THE PROVISION OF A SEPARATE MAINTENANCE. TO THESE ARTICLES I ASSENTED BY THE ADVICE OF MY LAWYERS, WITH A VIEW OF OBTAINING THE PAYMENT OF MY PIN-MONEY, WHICH I HAD NEVER RECEIVED SINCE OUR PARTING, BUT SUBSISTED ON THE SALE OF MY JEWELS, WHICH WERE VERY CONSIDERABLE, AND HAD BEEN PRESENTED TO ME WITH FULL POWER OF ALIENATION. AS TO MY LOVER, HE HAD NO FORTUNE TO SUPPORT ME, and for that reason I was scrupulously cautious of augmenting his expense. We had now enjoyed each other's company for three years, during which our mutual passions had suffered no abatement, nor had my happiness been mixed with any considerable alloy, except that late stroke of providence which I have already mentioned, and the reflection of the sorrow that my conduct had entailed upon my dear father, whom i loved beyond expression and whom nothing could have compelled me to disoblige but a more powerful flame that prevailed over every other consideration as i was now forced to break off this enchanting correspondence it is not to be doubted that our parting cost us the most acute sensations of grief and disappointment however there was no remedy i tore myself from his arms took my leave of the family after having acknowledged my obligations to the duke and set out for the place of rendezvous where i was met by my lord attended by a steward whom he had lately engaged and who was one chief cause of our future separations my lord having quitted his house in town conducted me to his lodgings in pall mall and insisted upon sleeping with me the first night but I refused to gratify his desire on the authority of our agreement. This dispute produced a quarrel, in consequence of which I attempted to leave the house. He, endeavouring to prevent my retreat, I fairly locked him in, ran downstairs, and, calling a hackney-coach, made the best of my way into the city to my father's lodgings, where I lay, the family being in town, though he himself was in the country i wrote to him immediately and when he came to london declared my intention of separating from my lord in which seeing me obstinate and determined he at length acquiesced and a formal separation accordingly ensued which at that time i thought binding and immutable I was now sheltered under the wings of an indulgent father, who had taken me into favor again on the supposition that my commerce with Mr. S. was absolutely at an end. Nevertheless, though we had separated in all appearance forever, we had previously agreed to maintain our correspondent in private interviews, which should escape the notice of the world with which I was again obliged to keep some measures. End of chapter 81, part 6